The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite. This week covering AEW's homecoming to Jacksonville, Florida and Daly's Place. Stock up, stock down. All right, Joel, why don't we start with that crazy main event where Malachi Black just utterly destroyed Cody? Like, yeah, I got some big uh, Brody Lee vibes from this match. And it, it was weird because like this match, I didn't watch it live, but it only started with like nine or ten minutes left on the show. Like there was not a lot of time left. And uh, the match was it was. It was just kind of a complete beatdown. Cody took that really cool spot into the uh, timekeeper's table, but it really was the post-match stuff here. And Joel, we've been burned by a wrestler retiring in front of us before with the Undertaker-Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania. Is Cody done? I don't think so. I Fuck think no. this is <laughs> I, I think this is some really cool story development because I think the idea is that Cody was ready to be done, right? Like, okay, this whole storyline, sometimes, you know, you have to put down the old horse. And in this scenario, Cody was that old horse in the eyes of Malachi Black. And he got put down in brutal <laughs> fashion. Yes. Uh, that, I don't know what they're calling his finisher, formerly the Black Mass. Uh, but that kick caught Cody right on the chin. It looked great. And yep. Cody went down like a sack of potatoes and to the point where Malachi Black was able to do the one foot on the chest. I am bored with this pin and got I've the never victory. seen anyone. I've never seen anyone win with that. <laughs> like, like um, I can't I mean, recall. I, I'm sure there has been, but I just don't remember seeing it live. A lot of big wrestlers have won with that. Um, in like their debut squash matches mm -hmm. where they just will demolish somebody. I forget who it was, but there was somebody not that long ago in the other wrestling company, like maybe five, six years ago, who won like their first dozen or so matches that mm -hmm. way and was just, you know, looked kind of bored with the whole thing and then would walk out without even having their arm raised. Um, and we, we can we can count this as like this was a squash like this was a squash match right yeah it felt very squashy like to the to the Matt Hardy definition like I feel like this was a squash um and then yeah so hit him with the black mass roundhouse kick the Cody killer whatever you want to call it got the the pin and then Cody started doing this speech you know three years ago no one thought we could do this and he's you know there could be some infighting with the EVPs which is some fun stuff there and then he started taking off his boots. Which, if you're listening to this podcast, you should know what that symbolizes. Like, leaving your boots in the ring like means you're retiring. And then before he could finish, Malachi Black's like, no, 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 no. You get to suffer. You don't get to just retire and go into the go into the pasture. And he just, was it a, a crutch? Was there just a crutch yeah. at ringside? Just well, they brought out a crutch to help Cody get to his feet. Okay. Because, you know, part of the match was that really savage-looking single-leg crab that Malachi Black applied that, you know, did the the damage to to Cody's knee. And so Cody had tossed aside the crutch because he's like, no, I'm going to stand on my own two feet, even though it hurts. Also, 
phenomenal job by Cody here, like registering in his face through the entire thing. I'm beginning to think that nobody in professional wrestling sells as well as Cody Rhodes. Like, holy shit, the guy's on another level. This is like peak Sami Zayn level salesmanship. I absolutely love it. Uh, and yeah, so he gets blasted by Malachi Black with the the crutch that he indicated he didn't need. And so I think this is going to be like, you know, maybe we get a different version of Cody, which would be nice because, you know, it's uh, getting a little bit wrote at little, this point. Stale, I won't say yeah. stale because I really, I still enjoy it. I, I mean, but I'm ready for something new. I think that's, you know, I, I'm not like, upset when Cody's on the TV because I still enjoy what he's doing. So mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I am ready for something new. So hopefully this is a, an opportunity for him to, you know, get a little bit darker, get a little bit meaner. Yeah. It definitely, this feels like a chance for him to either have like a, a crisis of confidence. Like maybe I just don't have it anymore. And we get kind of get like a depressed sulking Cody, or maybe this is like, Cody's like, well, I can't be Cody Rhodes to beat this. I have to, be something different. I have to be more aggressive. Maybe like, I don't know. He starts. We've seen, we've seen faces get their asses kicked by a monster heel and then become heels themselves. Like totally possible in that route. And one thing I'm always going to, I'm going to complain about this because it's so dumb. What was the point of Cody being the American dream for one night? If he's still wearing the same goddamn ring gear every time he wrestles, like what was the point? What was the point? (laughs) That was fucking stupid. You didn't even wear polka dots. You wore this stupid, the boys uh, inspired ring gear and you still wear it. That was a dumb gimmick, dumb stipulation. I'm still pissed about it. That was a fail from Cody. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. All so right. we've got some anger. We need to get we got out. Some anger. We, we got some anger. We got some anger. So I, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to take things in a slightly different direction here. Um, I, I think Cody Rhodes should, uh, be a version of, of Stardust and and bring in his buddy Stephen Amell and uh, get some backup. And they can use that to promote Stephen Amell's new show yeah, on man. Stars about professional wrestling. I think this is a great opportunity for some, some cross-promotion, some synergy. And um, I, I don't care what anyone says. I fucking love Stardust. So yeah, Stardust got- was a surprisingly good character, especially when Stardust was like evil. Like yes. Face Stardust was boring. Evil Stardust was fucking nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, cartoon villain Stardust. I mean, what's not to love? It's fantastic. Anyway, that's not going to happen, but it would be cool. Um, so, Joel, what did you think of uh, Malachi? Obviously, we've seen Alistair Black, Malachi Black wrestle a ton before. We didn't see a ton here, but I liked uh, the like black eye is like spreading. <laughs> Have you noticed that? And did you see those posts about that? Like over the last few weeks, like it's getting bigger and covering more of his face. Yeah. Well, you know, they're establishing that he's a vessel. Then that implies to me that he has some kind of parasite, that he's a host to something. And, uh, you know, that corruption is spreading. You know, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. I like the level of creativity that is Mm -hmm. at work here. And you know, the, the cliched phrase of the podcast, I'm excited to see where it goes, but I'm just excited to see, uh, Tommy end get to wrestle the way he wants to and be in the stories that he wants to be in and, you know, be a part of a company that embraces the creativity of his talent and lets Mm -hmm. him do his thing the way he wants to, because he's phenomenal. It's also obvious that they, 
they think he's a big star. Like he's gonna, they're pushing him to the moon. I don't expect him to lose a match for a long, long time. Um, and I, I'm sure this Cody story isn't over yet. Um, but yeah, this, this was really fun. I think one of the better like debut matches we've seen, um, cause we, we've seen like, you know, wrestlers debut and they do like the slow build. And then we've seen some that get thrust into these moments and yeah, people are worried that if Cody and black happens again, that Cody's going to get the win back. I hope not. I hope it's just, a, would it be amazing? Like Cody comes, like comes back in a few weeks leading up to all out. And it's like, okay, I want a rematch, you know, acting differently. And then black beats him again in like 30 seconds, like <laughs> just crushes his soul again. I, oh, I would love that. Give me the book. So, um, oh, and stock up to uh, him going from trunks to little shorts, a little more fabric, not quite pants, but Joel, we'll take it. We'll take it. <laughs> well, I think it's also much more in line with what you would expect, like a kickboxer to wear. Mm-hmm. And, and that yep. is his fighting style. That is his background. So it's like when Lesnar came back and he was rocking like the UFC shorts and stuff, not the, yeah. not the trunks. Well, and Miro has done the same thing since moving mm-hmm. over from the other wrestling company. He's wearing shorts now as well instead of trunks. And I think some guys are just more comfortable in that. And anything that makes them have to think about their gear less so they can focus more on what they want to do yeah. in the ring is is a positive thing to me. All right, Joel. Well, why don't we move on to our next stock up, stock down segment and just the fascinating stuff between Hangman Page, the Dark Order, and the Elite. So, Joel, why don't you recap here what exactly went down tonight? Yeah. So, I mean, by law, I have to do this segment because it's about Adam Page. So I did the intro. You have to talk about uh, it. And then I'll give my opinions. It's contractually. It's in our contracts. Yeah. yeah, With, with, you know, other wrestling show worldwide. So, yeah. Uh, so in this segment, a series of segments, actually, we saw Adam Page kind of tell the Dark Order, you know, I think we need to take a break. And um, I saw Stu Grayson updated his relationship status on Twitter to It's Complicated, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> um, I did not see that. That's So wonderful. we had the more senior members of the Dark Order in Evil Uno and Stu Grayson being like, hey, look, if this is what he wants, if what he needs right now is his space, then let's give him his space. And then the younger, more hot-headed members of the Dark Order being like, no, we have to help him anyway. Like, even though he doesn't want our help, even though he feels like this is something he has to do on his own uh, Mm -hmm. so that we don't have to bear any of the consequences for his actions, we should still be there for him. So I like that there are these two opposing dynamics within the Dark Mm -hmm. Order as to how they need to treat Adam Page. And I like that neither one of them is clearly correct or incorrect. Like, I think they're both perfectly valid ways of feeling about this relationship that they have. And I'm curious to see which side is going to eventually win out and how that's going to play out in this storyline. So, so that's really good. So after that, we see Adam page go out to the ring for an interview with Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone's interviews were very ill-fated on this episode of Dynamite. <laughs> Don't do this it. One, this one was no exception. Uh, we saw the elite come out and and lay the boots to Adam Page and, you know, basically tell him, you know, we know you'd probably like to get back in with the elite, but we don't have we don't any have space losers. for losers. <laughs> and man, that's tough. Especially because like Brandon Cutler and Michael Nakazawa are ostensibly part of that group. And it's like, 
we don't have space for Adam Page, but we have space for these two Jokers. Wow, that's that's harsh stuff. So, you yeah. know, the Dark Order came out to make the save and Stu Grayson and Evil Uno cut off the members of the Dark Order and kind of shepherded them backstage to honor Adam Page's wishes. And so Adam Page got the crap beaten out of him. Yeah, it. a couple things here. So I love the, like you said, the Stu Grayson, Evil Uno versus the rest of the Dark Order dynamic here. It's like that with all friendships, man. Like friendships are complicated. Relationships are complicated. Like there have been times where I've had to tell friends, like, I just need space. Like just, I need to be alone. I need to figure stuff out. Like, so I thought that was a very realistic way to handle this. And the wounds that Adam Page has from the relationship with the elite are apparent. Like he's an alcoholic in recovery or a functioning alcoholic because of dealing with friendship with the elite so like this it, it's very realistic it's it's very real to me damn it it's real to I me mean, damn it 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 would be you know and and i i would just like to point out that i was one of your friends who wanted to help you when you were getting beat up by that mean basketball team but you know the other friends talked me down and said that you needed your space so yeah so we let it happen yep and i think one thing too is this the beat down that page took in the ring it was very reminiscent of the beatdowns that Brody Lee used to like give to members of the Dark Order. So like it even felt like like some sort of like meta initiation for Adam Page. Like he has to take these lumps alone in order to achieve what the Dark Order is promising. So like I just really liked how it looked and how it felt. And also the the elite are just bullies, man. They're so fucking mean. Like, like I know that's like a chat. They're mean. They are mean. Their promos are mean. Like, <laughs> so I, I I totally agree. I like that he just got the crap beaten out of him. I think there's something to be said for nobody running out and making the save and chasing the heels away. I think far too often in wrestling, the tension of seeing someone getting cornered by all the bad guys is taken away Mm -hmm. by that thought in the back of your head of instead of thinking about what's going to happen to this person that I ostensibly care about, it's who's going to come out and make the save. And when the answer is no one, you have to confront a whole different set of emotions about that segment, about what's happening to your hero. And that's exactly what we got uh, during this second elite hangman dark order segment. So really really dug it and uh i like that this feels not final but like it's the end of a chapter right adam page is no longer in title contention for the AEW heavyweight championship the dark order is no longer in contention for the young bucks titles sounds like they're going to get a shot at gallows titles. titles which is cool and interesting yeah. um but uh, yeah, so I, I like that this feels like a door kind of closing a little bit and we can revisit this story later on in that way that AEW has proven they're so good at doing. We weave in and out of these stories and it keeps things fresh and interesting. Yeah, and, and we both were convinced that the main event of All Out was going to be Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Obviously seemed like that and there reports on some of the dirt sheets that that was the plan. And they decided to change things up a little bit. Does it have to do with these rumored signings that we've been hearing all about? Maybe, but maybe this is them just saying like, hey, we can we can do this a little longer. We can really make this story hit. And it's it's interesting, like the dynamic of how Paige left 
the elite getting abandoned, basically getting kicked out, and then him voluntarily saying, I need to be separate from the Dark Order. I think that's just kind of a, a, I don't know. Adam Page is also like a big mental health advocate in real life as well. So like, I think there's something positive to take from, you know what? I'm going to say I need to take a step back. I like that. I just like that messaging in general. So, um, but yeah, I, this is really intriguing. It seems like this is done because I was going to touch on some lightning round, but we have a new number one contender, Joel, with Christian Cage, uh, my dude, going to get that title shot. So it does seem like they're moving on from the Hangman story. But what does Hangman do in the meantime? Like, what's what's his journey going to look like from here? Because we saw him hit rock bottom last year when he lost to Kenny, and he built himself back up over the last year. So I'm curious. To, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, and if anyone can tell this story correctly, it's going to be AEW and Kenny Omega and, and Hangman Page. So I trust him. All right. All right, so Joel. We have kind of a weird meta third item, which is kind of a stock up, stock down, all rolled into one. Uh, so we had a number one contendership match between legit Layla Hirsch and the bunny of the Hardy family office. And they were facing off not for the number one contendership of the AEW Women's Championship, but for the NWA Women's Championship, which is currently held by one Camille. If you're not familiar with Camille, she is oh. enormous, just a towering titan of a woman and uh, really, really impressive, very powerful. And uh, she was always one of my favorites back when I was watching NWA before they had their hiatus. I still haven't gotten back into it since they're back on, on YouTube recording new shows, but I need to do that. And this was cool because just seeing Camille ringside on Dynamite, someone who's a champion in another promotion. And I know they've had this kind of back and forth relationship mm -hmm. with NWA, but it was cool. And the last times that we had somebody holding the NWA women's championship, but showing up on AEW, there was a contract associated. To my knowledge, Camille does not have any kind of attachment to AEW. So this felt really, really cool. And um, so that's the stock up to this. The stock down is this is really the first instance of the Forbidden Door being open to women. And this is something there's been a lot of chatter about online about like how come it's really just Kenny Omega and Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson who are, you know, moving between shows with fluidity. There should be more going on here. If this is truly a new era in professional wrestling where these kind of talent exchanges can happen and be commonplace, then why aren't we seeing, you know, Jordan Grace? Why aren't we seeing, you know, Tasha Steeles and Kira Hogan? Why aren't we seeing these women who are tremendous talents Mm -hmm. And could totally, totally help out AEW and the AEW women's division uh, by showing up on Dynamite. So, uh, Mike, what were your thoughts about this match, this segment, and the larger meta-narrative of the Forbidden yeah. War and women? Yeah, the match was fun. Uh, Layla Hirsch is is really talented. The height difference here between Camille and Layla Hirsch is uh, legit. When you brought up how tall she was, I'm like, is she really tall or is she just standing next to Layla Hirsch? No, she's really tall. She just, Layla Hirsch is also very short. Um, I think this match will be really fun. I don't know anything about Camille's in-ring ability um, from a, like, what you want in a superstar. She has the look. She's got, you know, the size that you want for the division. So I think it's, 
is a good connection here with AEW. And it's funny that you mentioned uh, Jordan Grace because she recently was commented saying she doesn't know why the Forbidden Door hasn't really been open to women. Um, because when that first, when we first had that crossover between Impact and AEW, you and I listed names of wrestlers, we would women wrestlers, we would want to see work with the talent in AEW. Could it be that they have this kind of working relationship with the NWA Women's Championship where maybe Billy Corgan's like, I don't know if I want to have the Impact Championship involved with your show at all. I don't know. I don't feel like he should have that much sway. So um, it's definitely weird. And also, Kira Hogan was backstage at Dynamite this week. She's a free agent, by the way. So oh, I did not know that. Yeah, there's some rumors that she was there to kind of maybe figure a contract or something else out. out. So that would be a great signing if they could land her. But yeah, um, we really, like, we, we have more stars now in the women's division in AEW than we did say a year ago. Um, but I, maybe it's just two dude. They're like, they don't give us more than maybe two or three segments with women on a dynamite. Like when was the last time that Sheeta was on dynamite? I don't think we've seen her really since, since she, she lost the title. title. Yeah. She's been on dark a few times. Maybe this is like, she's just taking a break and she's spending some more time in Japan. But like, We've barely seen the longest reigning champion in AEW on TV in the last two months. So is it a, uh, a spacing on the card where they just like, well, we don't really need to bring in, you know, women in the forbidden door because we're, we don't have enough segments for them anyways. Could it be some, well, we don't want the impacts wrestling. The uh, impact women's wrestling division is great. Like it is deep. It is talented. Maybe impact does not want to have their champions put over. AEW's wrestlers like it could be something as simple as that so um I hope that we see more of this this is a really good step um because you're right you know Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa all both eventually signed full-time contracts with AEW well and Serena um, Deeb was also a coach with yeah. AEW the entire time like that was her main role within the company mm-hmm. uh was as a coach and yeah. not as a performer and then AEW bought out the rest of Thunder Rosa's contract with NWA so she could sign with AEW so this does feel like the first one of like, Hey, this is kind of out of nowhere. And I don't think this was really like they announced the match last weekend. So this must've come together fast. I think what's tough is that they keep doing agreements for like these short, you know, three, four weeks, whatever at a time, maybe a little longer. There's no like definitive, like we have a partnership with NWA and they're like, this is official and they're going to appear at all of our shows. Like it does seem like it's very situational, which could kind of make it tougher to get some of these, other names into the situation. Same thing with impact. It originally was just Kenny, Don Callis and the good brothers. So. Yeah. And I don't need there to necessarily be anything official, even if everything's just on handshake agreements. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so long as everybody gets paid, like, I don't care. I don't need this to be something that's big, but if the talent want to work together, there's no reason why the promoters shouldn't be up for it because it's going to elevate the profile of the talent on the show with a smaller platform. Right now, I don't think it's really arguable that Impact doesn't have more talent in their women's division, right? Like they just, they do. They have more talent in their women's division than AEW does. But it's also not really an argument to say that AEW has a bigger platform. So if one side has the talent and one side has the platform, Mm -hmm. they're both going to benefit 
from that kind of exchange because it just it's going to draw more eyes to impact yeah and it's going to reinforce a somewhat lackluster division i love the talent that's in the AEW women's division they need more time on the air and having some of these high profile talents come in would demand mm. that kind of airtime so like this has got to happen yeah and i think the big thing too is we're getting rampage starting next week that got here really fast by the yeah, way <laughs> um that's an extra hour of cable television a week if you if you told me that there was gonna you know an hour show there's probably what four or five segments you can realistically do maybe three matches a couple backstage things if you told me that two of those five two of those six were going to be dedicated to the women's division on top of what they're already doing on dynamite that's a that's a boom to me because I feel like that's a, just a more opportunity to get more women involved mm -hmm. and also we haven't had that like we, you know, we have the CM Punk rumors. We have the Daniel Bryan rumors. We've had major signings in the men's division. Miro, Aleister Black, um, Brody Lee, you know, all these big, we have yet to have like this big signature women, like who hasn't worked with the company before. Like Thunder Rosa's signing was huge because Thunder Rosa is probably what top five, top 10 in the world <laughs> in, in women's yeah. wrestling. So, but we have yet to have one of those, like a big significant outside signing to AW in the women's division. And I feel like we need that. I think you need to have that outside of AW wrestling cred, even if it's someone from impact, he made a name. Like if Jordan grace ever crossed over, like I thought it would be, Oh fuck. What's her name? Um, Tully's, uh, Tully's oh, daughter, Tessa Blanchard? Tessa Blanchard. Like I know she got released last year. There's some big issues around her that we won't go into, but like someone of that level, I think would be a game changer for the division, but we haven't seen anything like that. So, yeah, um, in, in regards to, to Rampage, uh, I think, and maybe this is its own topic, but, you know, let's let's go ahead and jump into Lightning Round and we'll, we'll touch on that. Lightning Round. So you brought up that Rampage is starting next Friday, which a week from today we are recording on Friday, uh, which did get here really fast. Yep. My hope for Rampage is that they use the perfect flawless recipe for a one hour wrestling show that is NXT. a lot of wrestling yeah when when nxt was a one hour show on the network there was no better hour of wrestling entertainment period so what's the formula for that joel like if you had to like break down the scientific formula of what made a perfect nxt show when it was one hour how how would you build it like what's, it was how typically it be done? no more than three matches, uh, one of which was typically very short. Uh, and then you got a, a decent sprinkling of backstage, primarily pre-recorded segments, which mm -hmm. meant that they were pretty flawless in their execution. And it was a talent showcase. And, you know, you did your time in NXT. You kind of went through the cycle of... I'm going to have a high profile feud that doesn't involve a title. That feud is going to happen. Then I'm going to move on. I'm going to challenge for the title. I'm going to win the title. I'm going to drop the title to somebody else. And I'm going to get called up to the main roster. Right. That was, I mean, that's how things went with like Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, mm -hmm. Neville, like you go down the line and it worked. It worked. It was great. And 
you know, it was somewhat predictable, but as we've discussed so many times, I don't give a damn about predictable. Just do it well. And I think working off of that formula and, and, you know, maybe it can be improved upon. I don't think it can because I, that's like my favorite wrestling watching Mm -hmm. experience of all time was like golden era NXT. It never got any better for me. Like American alpha and FTR, like the Gargano and Champa and FTR, everybody versus FTR. Like it just, that time frame where, yeah, it was predictable. There was a pattern of what you did and the matches that you were going to have, and then you were going to get called up. But that's kind of the best usage of a one hour show. Uh, so I- I'm hoping that it is separate and isn't just rehashing of storylines that are already mm-hmm. going on on Dynamite. It needs to have its own creative. Yeah. I, and I'll say this too. Let's not judge Rampage by like the first three or four, because next week's the debut. The one after that is supposedly CM Punk's return. So we really won't have a feel for what Rampage is going to be on the regular until we probably get past All Out. Um, so if it's, it's just extensions of dynamite big debuts like that might not be what it is long term so i am excited though it is going to be interesting to see how they do this uh i'm going to be watching uh live next week i'll be watching live on the 20th because best in the world is going to show up so um yeah rampage is here and it's going to be great but joel my first time i wanted to talk about lightning round i briefly touched on it during the elite hangman page segment is christian cage is our number one contender and I love I, I love AEW with their rankings because you don't really need a reason to put him in a title match. Like, hey, he's the number one contender based off wins. Go go do it. And I don't really care what the story is going to be because this like match itself, Kenny Omega versus Christian, I'm so intrigued by it because it's such a different, I guess, styles. You know, we talked about how Christian wrestles these more slower, methodical matches in AEW compared to anyone else in the company. And we know Kenny is a wrestling savant and he can pretty much do anything, but he's known for these kind of fast paced stuff. So I'm really excited to see how they, they work together and the story they tell, because I don't like, we love Christian because he's such a methodical psych, like psychological wrestler. This is going to be so much fun. I'm really excited for this. And that, if that's our main event for all out, um, I'm happy with it. I really wanted hangman page Omega, but getting my, my favorite wrestler of all time in the main event of all out, it's going to be super fun. Christian's your favorite of all time. We've talked about this. I love Christian cage, man. Like, all time is just a big word, you know, like it, it, it covers a multitude of sins. Um, all right. Everyone, he's probably in my top two or three. If I had to like, if I really thought about it, but that's close enough to all time for me. That's pretty right. goddamn high. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. He's the better of the ENC. Just saying. I mean, you know, I disagree, but, um, uh, so I think we'd be remiss if we didn't briefly touch on the third labor of Jericho, yep. uh, which saw Juventud Guerrera make his AEW debut, uh, probably his first and last match in the company. Uh, but he looked pretty <laughs> good, you know, for, good. for an aging luchador. Uh, still flying around. Everything made me nervous. Um, <laughs> but uh, But yeah, this was a good match. And uh, this again was like, you could tell Jericho was working hard. Yeah. He looked blown 
up at the end of this match in a way that he absolutely should. Like these labors are really, really hitting for me and putting over that Jericho is getting worn down to, you know, this brittlest, thinnest margin that MJF is basically going to be able to realistically reenact the finger poke of doom. And it'll actually make (laughs) sense when Jericho goes down for the three, because by the time Wardlow is done with him next week, MJF is literally only going to have to poke him in the chest and he'll probably keel over. So I'm loving this. And I thought MJF was flawless on commentary. Yeah, it's, this is working for me really well. And I love that he's kind of selling the battle scars of his previous labors. Um, I don't think this was, there were some spots early on where they just weren't in sync. There were some of the moves where like they just either, they were a half a second behind or as the match went on, it definitely got a lot better. And the diving uh, Judas effect at the end, like they got the timing on that. Perfect. Like it looked great. I was wondering what, Jericho was going to whip out to win the match. I didn't even think of a Judas effect like that, but it really worked. And like, I hope that becomes a regular part of his repertoire because it looked amazing. Yeah. And just the impact too. Like you're, you're getting more speed, more velocity. And like, like I said, the, remember when we first saw the Judas effect and like the timing just looked sloppy, like he's gotten it down. Like he knows how to like him and whoever he's working with, they've gotten it down. So, um, I was really impressed here and I, I know that's wrestling and it's hard to tell this, but like Jericho just looks like he's having fun. I think it's the most fun he's had in AEW since maybe his for the, the first championship reign, but like he literally like he's working all these different styles. He's getting to wrestle legends. One of his best friends too. Like we know that him and Hoovy are really close. Like, so he just looks like he's having fun and I'm getting very big. Like, uh, Ric Flair, you can't lose a match or your retired vibes from this. Like mm-hmm. Jericho just goes out there every week, puts on a banger and does, like there was stuff in that Ric Flair uh, story where I'm like, Ric Flair is doing what at with who? Like it was just really cool stuff. So this, this is a really good storyline. It's really working and Wardlow versus Jericho. And was it MJF is the guest referee? Was that the yes. stipulation? How the fuck is Jericho going to win? <laughs> well, clearly MJF is going to have to get incapacitated, and then so going to like count his Edwards hands. Will come in and <laughs> and count the match because anytime you have the hostile guest referee, like yep. that's the only way that the face goes over is if you know wardlow is going to inadvertently take out mjf or something and then aubrey edwards or bryce remsburg is going to have to come in and you know count the three for jericho so uh now we know how it's going to go but it's still going to be so (laughs) much fun with with wardlow as the fourth labor it makes me wonder what he had i thought wardlow would be the last one like this is my big muscle oh this is my final thing I thought it was five labors and then you get to fight MJF. No, they specifically talked about that on air on this episode of dynamite that MJF is the fifth labor. Got it. So if he wins one more, if he beats Warlow, then he gets his match with MJF. Okay, cool. Yes. But yeah, this is working for me. Did you, uh, did you bring this up? I don't remember who brought this. This was yours. I brought brought it up. I brought it up. Oh, okay. I I was I didn't know, uh, what to say. Um, Lightning round stock up to uh, the 2.0, formerly known as yeah. the 3.0, also formerly known as Everrise in WWE. Uh, 
this is one of the first like this is because I haven't watched WWE in a long time. This is one of the first like WWE talents groups I just didn't know much about. Like I like them, man. They were fun in this match. Uh, one of them, I don't know their names yet, but like Lily screaming at Sting, are you the real Sting? <laughs> that was really funny. And yeah, 2.0 was good, but Daniel Garcia. Yeah. That dude, the opening segment between him and Darby Allen, I want to see a full length singles yeah. match between those two because they seem to have really similar working styles. And I can't remember seeing another wrestler that, moved in a similar way to Darby Allen. And I just mm-hmm. really would like to see the two of them, you know, have a, a, a full length match. I think it'd be great. Yeah. So I don't know much about any, any of those three, but I was really impressed with their, their ring work. I was really impressed with their little backstage segment. It felt really like nineties wrestling to me with one of the guys just like, you're going to lose like, just like fucking like vein about to pop out of their head. So uh, I think this is a good get for AW. We've talked about how um, the tag team division could always use more talent, and these, these this trio seems really good. And I like the dream team of Moxley, Kingston, and Darby Allen. Um, I really want a trios title, man. Like, yeah, really want a trios title. That'd be super fun. So it'd be sweet. All right, Joel, so what you got for keep me? Things, I'm going to keep things in the tag division and talk about the promo segment between Proud and Powerful and FTR, which gave us my favorite line of the night. You left my best friend lying in a pool of his own blood. Yeah, <laughs> that was a really good segment. It was really good. Oh, God, Dax. That was Dax, right? That was Dax. What a promo there from Dax. Like, yeah. We've seen Santana Ortiz cut some promos lately and over the last six, seven months. That might have been the one of the best promos I've ever seen Dax do in any company. It was just really good, really passionate. And basically I'm saying like, oh, Cash is going to be there. You can't keep him down. He's going to be there next week. So um, that match is going to be fun. I, I'm really excited for this. Uh, I'm also, I'm really excited for one of these tag teams to just elevate and get into the title picture. Um, I feel like this is a great chance for Santana Ortiz to get their shot against the Bucks. Like, go over FTR next week and then move on to the Bucks at like all out or something. That that would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm absolutely ready for Proud and Powerful to have gold. Uh, I think it's long overdue. I, I think they're probably the most talented tag team in the company to have not held the belts at this point. Oh, 100%. I, I thought they would be one of the first ones to hold the belt, honestly. Yeah. You know, uh, if it wasn't for a private party upsetting the Young Bucks on the second episode of Dynamite, uh, the Bucks probably would have been champions right away, too. So um, I'm going to go next, Joel, with um, Red Velvet coming out to challenge Britt Baker. And I didn't realize, is Britt Baker really tall or is Red Velvet really short? Uh Yes. Yep, got it. Because, <laughs> like, Britt was, like, significantly looking down on her. Like, it, it, I did not realize there was that big of a height discrepancy. I'm really excited for this match. Um, we're both really big fans of Red Velvet here. I like Red Velvet bringing up her record. You know, I've won seven straight. I'm 21 and four. Uh, you know, and I that's what I love about the record system is it automatically makes you a valid contender. Like, even if most of those wins have been on dark, she can say, I'm 21 and four. I deserve a match. So I think this has a chance to be fun. It's going to be in Pittsburgh, Britsburg. 
So there's no chance in hell Red Velvet is uh, going over here. But there should be another like really good championship match for Britt Baker. And I have a feeling that we're going to have some sort of significant moment post-match next week to give us our new Britt Baker challengers. Maybe Thunder Rosa comes out to make the save. Maybe someone debuts. But it seems like a good spot at Rampage to have a debut or a significant moment like that in the women's division. So, and that should main event next week too. That should yes. be the first ever rampage main event, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. And Britt Baker should be in more main events. She is period ratings gold and a tremendous talent and absolutely deserves it. Uh, was our, was our last women's main event was the last women's main event, her and Thunder Rosa in the blackout, the yes, lights out match. The lights okay. out match. Mm-hmm. Damn. It's been a while. And um, I really like the construction of this match with, Britt Baker kind of leading off with, I beat you before. You want a match? Fine. You can have a match. And then Red <laughs> Velvet comes back with, I'm not the same wrestler that I was yeah. last time you beat me. You know, I've I've won these 20 matches since then. Like, I'm on your level. And then Britt Baker's like, you may be on the level of where I was before, but I'm on another yeah. level now. So, yeah. you know, both of them touting that we are better than we were. And it's absolutely true, yeah. right? Both of these talents have gone up a level since we saw them face off last summer. So, you know, this is a great opportunity to showcase Red Velvet and and her development. Uh, She was very green when she first started having Mm -hmm. matches. I think she had only had a handful of matches in her career when she started with AEW. And, you know, this is just going to be great. Uh, Good clash of styles here. And I think a lot of the technical skill that Britt Baker has added to her repertoire is going to play very well with the speed and athleticism of Red Velvet. Also, too, I forgot they they teased their bodyguard two weeks ago. So that very well could be what happens on Rampage 2. We find out who Britt Baker and Rebel's new bodyguard is. So, um, yeah, very exciting stuff. Um, I forgot. Did I bring that up? I think I yep, brought that, that was up. Yours. That was yours. Yeah, another item for me? Yeah, so we got a really fun segment right off the top of the show um, after the Jericho and Hoovy match that was Dasha backstage with two out of three members of Death Triangle. And it's a continuation of Andrade El Idolo trying to get the Lucha Bros to work for him instead of, as he puts it, working for Pac. And their whole thing is, you know, we don't work for anybody, which is what Phoenix said. And then Penta goes on a little tirade and tempers start to flare and Alex Abrahantes cuts in and just says, Penta says, and you expect him to go off and translating whatever Penta had just said. (laughs) And he just says, no, (laughs) I loved it. I laughed alone in my house watching by myself, laughed out loud for a solid 30 seconds at that. It was good. I'm very I'm, I'm really liking this story. I I wonder what the end game here is. Um, and I love Chavo Guerrero, man. Uh, and they also learned last week, if you want heat for your heel, have him beat up Fuego de Sol. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we learned that when Malachi Black like kicked him into oblivion, that got more heat than him kicking Cody. People so, love Fuego, man. Yeah, People man. People love Fuego. So like him saying like, I got a job for you. Like I got to shine your shoes. And then they're just beating the shit out of him. Uh, Chavo is, I guess they're kind of done with the Vicky Guerrero thing. I guess they pivoted off of that. Um, cause Chavo man, two weeks in, I'm all in on this Chavo as a manager. It's so good. Fucking love me some Chavo. 
Well, you know, it's bittersweet because he's only available because Glow got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for that Stephen Amell show, by the way, but I hope it's not too dramatic because like what kind of made glow fun is like glow recognized wrestling is kind of ridiculous <laughs> you know so we're gonna lean into that and it's like super funny but if, if any if any hollywood actor can make a wrestling show work it would be Stephen amell because he is a wrestler basically yeah he so, loves it. yep i got one last thing joel uh and this was this really fun match uh between it was short miro and and lee johnson i really enjoyed this it was a good kind of david versus goliath thing uh, John, God, what's his nickname? Big, Sh- Big, Big Shotty Lee. Big Shotty Lee. Big Shotty got a he got enough offense in here that he he got the got some shine from it, got some rub. And uh, Miro is just on a different level right now, man. He is so damn talented, and I think the only thing missing to make like this TNT run like of his legendary is just a good long feud. Like give him something to feud with, have him go over because I think that's really are we're missing here because this has been almost perfect his title reign like I, I can't think of anything i don't like about it yeah he's kind of in like the cody open challenge phase of mm-hmm. his tnt title run and we do we need that big sustained feud but the pattern so far with the tnt title has been like you know you you have these matches these one-offs and then so far the first big feud does you in you know, yeah. with with Cody, it was losing Brody to Brody Lee. Lee in dominating fashion. And, you know, we, we have Miro with the belt now and he's kind of in a similar position. So I'm curious who that juggernaut is going to be that can step into the ring, go toe to toe with Miro and, and pull it out. You know, Darby Allen similarly had a long run where mm-hmm. he won a bunch of one off matches and then ran into Miro and got the ever loving shit kicked out of him. I think a, I think Brian Danielson could be that person if he debuts because oh they God. want, because they, because they want it highlighted on TNT every week. It's like the TV championship. You have matches all the time. If you put that belt on Brian Danielson for three months and just say, go work a five-star match every week with random talent in the company, that would do wonders, not only for the other talent, but also wonders for the ratings. Because if you know Daniel Bryan's, you, like, cause we see Miro wrestle like at least every other week for yeah. the championship. So if you put that on Danielson, you say run with this until Christmas. One, the, the Miro-Danielson match would be fantastic because we know both of these guys can work. And then, yeah. So I think that that's what I would do. But Joel, anything else? We're running a little long. I don't, this is like our longest episode of, maybe we know, maybe, maybe we subconsciously know that I'm going back to Audacity so I can actually edit. The last few weeks, I've had to just take it as is because Audacity was spyware. <laughs> so I got one more thing, and this will be quick. Uh, but we got a another Jade Cargill segment, mm-hmm. and really enjoyed. Uh, I, I just I like everything that she's doing with Mark Sterling and this whole like sponsorships and deals and and you know she's wrestling on dark and stuff, which is great. Um, but I like that she's still maintaining a presence on Dynamite while she's improving as a wrestler so that the next time she's showcased on the big show, you know, it's going to be a different kind of match. You know, she won't be as limited as what we've seen because she's very good, but she's still pretty limited, pretty green. So 
yeah, I, I definitely feel like this is the reason they're doing they're slow playing it like this is to let her to continue to get reps, you know, train. Is she a nightmare nightmare factory? She's I don't know where she's training at, but she's probably been just getting a bunch of reps and like I think you mentioned this pre-show, but it shows why she has a manager in the first place. So she has all these ringing endorsements. Like that's important to know why he's why she picked him over a Vicky Guerrero. Um, but yeah, well, we'll we'll see where it goes. She's a immensely high potential talent. We were texting the other day about people you could see like jumping ship to like WWE at some point if they like money whipped them or if they just gave them a big opportunity. I feel like Jay Cargill like fits the WWE like what they want from their women's division so much that like I could see them try to steal her from AEW at some point. Yeah, I don't think that would go well though. I don't think it would work, but I feel like WWE would like I there's only a hand like there's a handful of people that I could see WWE being like, what's your number? I will give it to you. And I feel like she has their the potential that they would try to do it. But anywho, great episode, Joel. Very happy to get back to our Friday recording. We haven't recorded on Friday in a while. So I will get this episode out as soon as possible. But guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show, Twitter at OWS underscore pod, Joel at the other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. You can find the podcast on TuneIn, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere you get it. We're there. You can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. And yeah, I forgot else what I was going to say. So Joel, anything to say before uh, I'm going to the beach this afternoon? Hangman Page, if you're out there, join the Dark Order. Join the Dark Order. I forgot to start it. There we go. Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.